You're listening to Witch Wednesdays, a semi-weekly podcast source for all things witchcraft in the modern world. Join your host, Steph, on Wednesday mornings to chat about seasons, Sabbaths, and all new witchcraft topics to help you make your life more magical. Welcome back to Witch Wednesdays. I'm Steph, and you are listening to episode 210, which is the magic of February, because we are heading into a whole new month tomorrow, already into the second month of 2024, which just feels like the time flies. I feel like I just recorded the episode for January magic. February is often seen as a transitional month from winter to spring in the Northern Hemisphere. For some people, I know it might not feel like that, and I will chat about that when we get into talking about Imbolc, which is tomorrow. Uh, it might not feel like any sort of spring signs that are seen where you are completely understandable. That's just generally <laughs> the themes of the month. And it's thought of, therefore, as like this month of purification and cleansing. It's sort of the theme that runs throughout all of the month and the holidays. The... Numerology this month is the number one. So like we talked about in the January episode, you get the numerology from the month by adding together the numbers of the year plus the number of the month. So we add two plus zero plus two plus four plus two, which is 10. And if you get a double digit number, you then add those digits together. So one plus zero is one. And one is the number of new beginnings, independence, and starting projects. The tarot card for February is the Wheel of Fortune, which is a card of change. And some people enjoy the Wheel of Fortune, and it is one that comes up, I would say, at these seasonal changes, especially this one where we are heading into spring and a new year. But some of those changes can be unexpected and sometimes a bit of a challenge. So some people enjoy the Wheel of Fortune, fortune when it comes up. Some people really don't like that card all about those life cycles, but that is the one that we've got associated with this February. The name February is derived from the Latin word februarius, which comes from februa, which is an early Roman festival and cleansing ritual that was held on February 15th. February was a time of purification, also atonement, and the name February reflects this association of this month with the rituals and cleansing and purification of ancient Roman culture. There was also a Roman god, Februus, that was associated with this purification and atonement, and February was the month to honor this god. And the festival, Februa, was held in his honor. This is one we do not have as much information on because Februarius was not as well documented as some of the other Roman gods. So we have this information from a few historical or literary sources, um, but not as much as we have on some of the other gods. But there were hints that there were rituals of purification, including you know ceremony, sacrifices, um, spring cleaning of people and of the city in general that was done at this time on February 15th. In some later Roman mythology, Februarius was sometimes instead identified with the god Pluto, 
who was the ruler of the underworld. So that's another connection with this theme of purification and transformation. Let's jump into some of what's going on with the sun and moon at this time. We've got some zodiac signs happening. Right now, we are in the sign of Aquarius. So that started on January 20th and runs until February 18th. And Aquarius is a very independent and unconventional fixed air sign. And then we move into Pisces on February 19th until March 20th. The birthstone is the amethyst. That's a traditional birthstone for February. The flower is the violet. Color is purple. And the animals include otter, the white cow, and the snake. So this is a great time to work with all of those different correspondences, even if you do not fall under the Aquarius uh, sun sign. Something that I did want to note here is the idea of the Aquarius as the fixed sign and the idea of cardinal fixed and mutable signs and how that corresponds to the seasons and why this month <laughs> might not seem exactly like the transition to spring um, as we might think. Usually the cardinal signs are thought to be the ushering in of a new season. So the cardinal sign of winter is Capricorn. That's what we start with in January. Aquarius, the fixed sign, embodies everything that winter has to offer. So it is the most winter of the signs. And then the mutable sign, which would be Pisces, is thought to be that transition that takes us from one season to the next, so from winter into spring. And for me, that lines up a little bit more with what I think of as being the different seasons and how those change and having much more time in strictly in the winter season as opposed to very little spring showing up and especially not having spring showing up on February 1st. And that runs through all of these seasons. So we went back to autumn. Libra would be the cardinal sign that's associated with autumn. And having those signs is like ushering in the fall season. And Scorpio in November is like the epitome of fall and everything autumn. And then Sagittarius is the transition from autumn into winter. So that's how the signs are thought of um, as they describe each of the seasons that they are associated with. On to the moon. The, we have the new moon on February 9th. That will be in Aquarius. That is a great time for spells for freedom, for breaking habits, friendship, especially like setting new intentions and new beginnings, and also love, fertility, and healing that are specifically associated with February. We have the full moon on February 24th, and that is going to be in Virgo. So that is a time for spells for intelligence, work, health, your schedules. A, and the full moon in general is a time of like culmination and celebrating, like amplifying energy. It's sort of like setting the new intentions at the new moon and then manifesting everything and celebrating everything that came in the last couple of weeks at the full moon. And specifically in February, it is called the hunger moon, also known as the snow moon or the storm moon. And that full moon is associated with love, clarity, passion, and divination. 
And let's move into the holidays because there are a lot of holidays actually that come up in February. January and February are thought of kind of as like dead months, not that much going on, but there are quite a few religious and secular holidays that you could celebrate and tap into the energy associated with them in with your witchcraft practice. And the first, of course, is Imbolc, which we'll be celebrating tomorrow. And I will do a sort of brief overview of that and talk about some things associated with Imbolc. If you are celebrating this evening, February 1st, heading into February 2nd, and you need more information or more ideas, I have shared that over on uh, YouTube last Friday. And of course, over on Patreon, there is a whole ebook and various spells and things. There's an ebook from last year as well. There's lots of different ideas for celebrating in bulk, especially if you have not really celebrated that one in the past. I think it's one that is sometimes looked over and not thought of as fondly as some of the other ones. I know Beltane is very popular, Samhain, Yule, very popular, and sometimes people skip in bulk and it is a personal goal of mine to not skip any of the Sabbaths this year and at least tap into the energy of them a little bit. Whether I do the full celebrating and rituals and feast for each one will remain to be seen, but at least I will be doing something to honor that day. So Imbolc, which is also known as St. Bridget's Day or Candlemas, is a traditional Celtic festival and it's thought to mark the beginning of spring. Generally, it is celebrated around the 1st or 2nd of February in the Northern Hemisphere. Generally, the Celtic Sabbaths, which are the, you know, Celtic fire festivals we've talked about before, Imbolc, Beltane, Lamas, and Samhain, they generally start the celebrations for those at sundown on one day and then to sundown on the next day. So generally sundown on February 1st, through February 2nd until sundown on February 2nd. But again, date moves around, so it is up to you how you feel, what works best for your schedule and celebrating. It's really the energy of this entire sort of time period here. So you are not tied to just doing something on February 1st or 2nd. It is a cross-quarter day, so it falls halfway between the winter solstice and the spring solstice. And since those dates move, it means that this holiday moves as well as far as being exactly on February 1st or 2nd. But like I said, Imbolc is the festival associated with the goddess Bridget. And I do have an ebook workbook for Bridget on Patreon as well if you would like to work with this goddess. And we are recognizing and welcoming the first signs of spring and increasing light. Since the days are getting longer, Imbolc is a festival to celebrate the growing strength of the sun and this increasing daylight. So fire and light are central themes associated with this celebration. Many of the customs and rituals that are surrounding Imbolc are dedicated to honoring Bridget because Bridget was the Celtic goddess who represents life, poetry, healing, fertility, all things that are happening with this coming of spring. So that's why it's also known as the Feast of Bridget. And you may see a lot of Bridget crosses um, that are woven and they're usually made of straw, but there's a lot of different materials that you could be weaving to make this Bridget cross that symbolizes protection and blessings. So that's done a lot of times at Imbolc on her feast day and hung in homes and barns for protection in the coming seasons. 
like the month of February, in bulk is associated with purification and ritual. It is a time when people might cleanse their homes and clear away the old stuff and get ready for spring. This idea of spring cleaning can really range a whole bunch of different months here, but I do find the cleaning and spring cleaning to be easier at this time of year because as the days get warmer and we get further into the year, there just tends to be more things happening and clearing out your home of clutter tends to be the last thing on your mind when you are wanting to spend more time outside. So while you are here, and stuck inside. I don't know about you, but we had, it's nicer now, but we did have some very negative temperatures there for a while, negative 11. Uh, so there was really no going outside. So as long as you are in your house anyway, that might be the best time to tap into this energy of cleansing and purification and get rid of the things in your home that aren't benefiting you. One of the most simple ways to observe in bulk is to look for those emerging signs of spring. One of the main symbols of in bulk is the snowdrop. So those are those flowers that look like they are hanging down a little bit. Those are called snowdrops. They're white. And one of the other signs in agricultural communities is that it's lambing season. So this is when the first lambs are born. Which may be why one of the traditional foods associated with in bulk is dairy products that represents those lambs and the lactating sheep. But there are a few other food associations as well, such as bread, potatoes, onions. There are a lot of things that are being used up in the pantry from the storage that we had from the winter months and that final harvest and now starting to be able to use up all of those things knowing that the spring and new foods are coming. This holiday is also marked with some Christian associations, and it is sometimes celebrated as the Feast of Candlemas, which marks the presentation of Jesus at the temple. So that's why you might hear the Candlemas reference and see even more candles at church at this time of year. Generally, it is a, hope, a time of hope and anticipation, that transitional phase from winter's darkness into spring renewal and growth. So a lot of different energies that you can tap into and celebrate for this season. You don't have to just focus on the candles or the return of the sun. Again, could be that purification energy that you have all throughout February and can get some great spring cleaning done. And if you have thought about deity work, especially Celtic deities, this would be an excellent time to start that work with the goddess Bridget. Bridget is often depicted as a triple goddess, and she is represented with by three different aspects or virtues, which are poetry and inspiration, healing and fertility, and smithcraft and the hearth. So again, those hearth fires and fire energy that's coming through at this season. So if any of those aspects interest you and you would like to get started working with the goddess, today would be this season and in bulk tomorrow really, would be a great time to leave an offering and state your intentions and get to know Bridget the goddess. She is one of the most popular Celtic deities and that absolutely trans transitioned into Christianity because she was adopted in Ireland as Saint Bridget and the Christian feast day of St. Bridget is also February 1st. 
and all of those associations with the pagan goddess transferred over into the Christian saint. So she is still a very important cultural and spiritual figure in Ireland. Going right along with Imbolc on February 2nd here in the U.S., we celebrate Groundhog's Day. And Groundhog Day is a celebration that takes place in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. It is when this groundhog, Punxsutawney Phil, who by by the way has been many different groundhogs. Do not think that this Punxsutawney Phil has been alive for all of these years. It's a different groundhog. Um, emerges from its burrow and everybody watches him come out. And according to folklore, if the groundhog sees its shadow, there's going to be six more weeks of winter. And if it doesn't, then spring is going to arrive early. And he's wrong a lot of the time, but we just, we still love this little celebration. Um, it has roots in German folklore, where a badger or hedgehog was used to predict the weather. And then when German immigrants settled in Pennsylvania, they brought this tradition with them, substituting the groundhog, which is what we have here in North America, for the badger. <laughs> I mean, we also have that here, but groundhogs are a little easier to work with than badgers. So on Groundhog Day, the ceremony is held where Phil is brought out and that the prediction is made based on whether he sees his shadow or not. Um, and the people across the U.S. and Canada participate in various Groundhog Day festivities. <laughs> so it's just kind of something fun. Um, not really great at predicting the weather. He's he's often wrong. But the groundhog and other burrowing animals are associated with Imbolc. So if you would like to tap into that groundhog spirit and work with the groundhog, uh, Imbolc and February 2nd would be a great day to do that. And if you are from Pennsylvania, do let me know because I feel like this is a bigger deal to you guys than anywhere else in the U.S. But it's still a fun little holiday to celebrate. The next that we have up would be February 10th. And that is the start of the Lunar New Year, which will run until January 28th, 2025. And this is the year of the Wood Dragon. There are 12 different animals in the zodiac of the Chinese folklore and history. So the there, there's a whole great story of how the 12 are placed in their order. I happen to be over one, year of the rat, because the rat swims along on somebody's back and then jumps off first. So he's the first one to cross the river, and then the other ones come in a specific order. It's a great story. And this happens to be the year of the dragon. So it comes up, it will come up every 12 years. So you would be a dragon here if you are uh, 1940, 1952, 1964, 1976, and then obviously this year would be your year as well. And there are different elements. Like I said, wood, there's also like, you know, like a water dragon or something. And those come around in a cycle as well. Um, but wood dragon symbolized by gold and silver associated with the direction east. And the wood dragon welcomes abundance and new beginnings. So perfect, again, with this February energy and in bulk that we have going on. In China, the dragon symbolizes nobility, power, and the emperor, and promises a lucky, abundant, and powerful year. So if you would like to celebrate that as well, it is traditional to gift money in a red 
envelope. And that gifting and giving away of money might seem counterintuitive, like how are you supposed to have abundance if you are giving it away and gifting it to somebody else? But that's sort of the cycle of the universe is that what you put out, you're going to get back. That is the thought. So if you are gifting money in a red envelope, then that will be lucky for you as well this year. So good way to celebrate that. If you are the year of the dragon, then I have both potentially good news and bad news for you. So let's dive into some of your characteristics and traits that are associated with this year. So these are the traits that are associated with individuals that are born this year, but do often represent the year as a whole for other individuals who do not fall under that particular animal and don't have those personality traits. Strength and vitality. People born in the year of the dragon are believed to be energetic and ambitious, also fearless. They're great leaders, natural leaders. They inspire others. They're also very independent and self-reliant. Also very passionate and charismatic. It's some part of that leadership quality to be able to draw others towards them, as well as energetic and enthusiastic and lucky and prosperous. And again, those are like broad categories. So you might not exactly fit into those. You might not see yourself as a leader, but that could depend on what element is associated with that as well. So there's so much to learn about when it comes to Chinese astrology. It's very, very interesting and very tough personally for me to figure out, but I love all of the information that I get from it. Uh, but as far as potentially the bad news, you can see how it shapes up for you and you let me know where you fall on the spectrum because there are some people who believe that when it is your year, the year of the dragon, that you will have a lucky year and it's a good thing um, that it's your year that comes back around. But there are a majority of people who believe that when it is your year, it is unlucky. So when it comes back around, it's good for everybody else and it might be a lucky dragon money year for everybody else, but for people who were born under that dragon sign, uh, it might not be a great year for you. And unfortunately, I lean towards that latter camp, not to discourage you. Hopefully you can have a wonderful year if you are year of the dragon. But as a year of the rat, I can personally attest that those years that it has come back around, uh, 2020, looking at you, not great years. So I don't have a lot of confidence in um, when it comes around to year of the rat. I'm not a huge fan of when it comes back around to my year. But that's just me. Don't want to discourage you. So let me know if you are Year of the Dragon, if you are celebrating the Lunar New Year. Again, this is Chinese astrology, but it's not a closed practice or anything. Um, but if you would like to celebrate it and get to know the culture behind it, it's always a great idea to show respect in that way. Um, but a fun holiday to celebrate and observe regardless. And before we get into our next holiday, a quick break for a sponsor message. Next up would be an interesting one to talk about, and that is Mardi Gras, which is on February 13th, also known as Fat Tuesday. And that is the lively, colorful carnival celebration. It uh, takes place in various locations all around the world, but the most famous is, of course, in New Orleans, in Louisiana, here in the U.S. The, this celebration is linked to the Christian liturgical calendar. So it's marking the day before Ash Wednesday, which is the beginning of the Lenten 40-day period leaning up to Easter. 
and usually people will give up something during Lent, so they go crazy on the day before. However, I feel like Mardi Gras is such a secular holiday, and so many people will celebrate Mardi Gras without being Christian and without celebrating Easter, Ash Wednesday, or any of those things. It is just this time of revelry and indulgence, and not everybody observes that solemn period that comes afterwards which is perfectly fine because I celebrate Mardi Gras and I have a great day, great, great time on this day and I don't observe Lent or any of the Christian aspects. So completely up to you. Mardi Gras itself is not inherently pagan. It really does have Christian origins and it has come about because it is related to the Christian liturgical calendar. The roots can be traced back to medieval Europe and back when they had pre-Lent celebrations for feasting and regularly before Lent. And then the French settlers brought this over to North America, and then it sort of evolved over time into what we really celebrate as Mardi Gras in New Orleans today. So not inherently you know, pagan in origin. However, I do want to say that a lot of, first of all, the customs and elements are associated with a lot of different like pagan traditions, like masks and costumes and certain symbols can be related back to European and Roman festivals that celebrate the arriving of spring. But most of all, I would like to point out that the date of Mardi Gras and the date of Easter is based on this complex set of rules that was established by the Council of Nicaea in the year 325. And Easter, as you know, is this movable feast. It's not a fixed day on our calendar, but instead it is tied to the lunar calendar and various astronomical events. So in order to figure out the date of Easter, it's celebrated on the first Sunday following the first full moon after the spring equinox. So the spring equinox is what we celebrate as Ostara, which is usually on March 20th or 21st. And then the first full moon after that is in the Christian calendar called the Paschal for full moon. And then after that, that Sunday after that is Easter Sunday. And so from there, you count back the 40 days to figure out when Mardi Gras and Lent is. So... Easter is always going to be in the spring, but it's interesting that it is linked specifically to the solar and lunar calendar and to Ostara and to these dates and things that we traditionally think of as pagan. Uh, the celebration of Easter is completely based on those. So it is not related to, I know there's stories um, and mythology that comes from the Bible and figuring out when that is and the 40 days that um, Jesus spent before like leading up to Easter and when um, Jesus was nailed to the cross and rose from the dead. A lot of you know stories related to that, but the reason it is not celebrated on the same day each year is because it is based on a very pagan idea of looking at the lunar calendar and astronomical events to figure out when to celebrate certain seasonal things. So very interesting um, timing of Easter and therefore of Mardi Gras. So completely fine if you want to celebrate Mardi Gras as a pagan festival, because I do, and I know a lot of other people who do as well.
mid-month, we have both Valentine's Day and Lupercalia. And I mentioned both of them together because one might influence the other. On Valentine's Day, which is February 14th, we have this cultural and commercial holiday that is dedicated to expressions of love and affection. It has roots in both Christian and ancient Roman traditions, but the modern celebration is very secular. It involves exchanging cards and gifts, chocolates, gestures of love. One popular legend suggests that it comes from the Christian martyr who lived during the Roman Empire, St. Valentine. And there are a few stories associated with St. Valentine, mostly that he was a priest in Rome who performed marriages for soldiers against the emperor's decree. And over time, then Valentine's Day became associated with romantic love. And this link to love and romance gained more popularity in medieval Europe. And then by the 18th century, the exchanging of cards and gifts was much more common. And by the 19th century, then we get all of the symbolism like hearts and Cupid and romantic messages, relations to the Roman god of love, Cupid, doves, the colors red and pink, chocolates, red roses, flowers, romantic dinners. So all of those things started coming about um, more in the 19th century. And that is you know, what we have today and know sort of as Valentine's Day and as that very like commercialization of Valentine's Day as that holiday where you are buying a lot of gifts and spending money in that way. So lots of different ways that that could have come about. We're not entirely sure of the history of St. Valentine and how accurate that is, but it is one of the legends of where it is thought to come from. So whether or not you want to believe that or want to celebrate Valentine's Day, there is a heightened association and energy of love at this time. So it could be a good time to look for love and do some spells related to that. And self-love and friendship are also great ideas for this time as well. And then on the 15th, we have Lupercalia, which was the ancient Roman festival that was like a pastoral festival celebrating fertility, purification. So again, all of the things that we associate with the month of February. And this festival in particular was dedicated to Lupercus, the Roman god of shepherds, as well as Faunus, the Roman god of fertility. And this is uh, shown in the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, they have a Lupercalia episode, which is uh, that, that episode is a lot of fun to watch and includes a lot of this like ideas and mythology of things that come from this. Um, so this festival involved rituals of purification and fertility, and the priests of Lupercus, known as the Luperci, would gather at a sacred cave where, according to legend, the wolf Lupa nursed the twin founders of Rome, Romulus and Remus. In order to do this, animal sacrifices were a part of this, usually goats and dogs, um, and they were sacrificed, and then the animal's hides were cut into strips, and there was this idea of a whipping ritual um, where the men would like run through the streets of Rome hitting women with the strips of animal hide, and it was like a ritual of promoting fertility and purification. 
Um, and it was like it was like a fun thing. Like the women wanted to be hit by these strips of animal hide um, to ensure their fertility in the coming year. So lots of fertility festivals associated with this. And it was like for fertility of the people, but also fertility of land and livestock because it is, you know, spring and coming back into the season of needing to gather herbs and food and crops and animals um, and livestock as well. So that is a fertility of all of the things at this time. There was also this connection for Lupercalia to love and marriage because during the festival, the names of the young women would be placed in a container and then young men would draw names as like a form of matchmaking. And then these pairings often led to romantic like relationships and marriages. So that is one of the reasons that Lupercalia has been suggested as influencing the modern celebration of Valentine's Day, especially because it was celebrated mid-February. So some of these aspects might have been absorbed into that Christian holiday and kind of what we know as Valentine's today. As with a lot of the ancient Roman and Greek holidays, Lupercalia went, underwent a lot of changes and then faced a lot of criticism because when Christianity began to spread, they really did not like the pagan rituals and holidays in general, but especially the ones that were related so outwardly to fertility like this one. Um, so there were a lot of efforts to replace Lupercalia with much more modest Christian celebrations. And then by the fifth century, Lupercalia ceased to be celebrated. So that is one that you could definitely bring back some of those pagan aspects of it. But um, I'm not one to do any sort of animal sacrifices and whipping with hides. Uh, you do you, but I don't think a lot of listeners are going to be up for that either. But there are a lot of associations with Lupercalia that you could bring into your celebrations at this time of year, especially if you are trying to do some fertility rituals that could be, you know, fertility for your land and for your garden or fertility for yourself. If you are trying to get pregnant, then you could tap into the energies associated with this holiday and this time of year. And then we get to the end of the month and something fun that is happening this year is that it's leap day. We have a leap year. These happen every four years. So that is when the month of February gets an extra day and we have a February 29th. And that is just to fix our calendar and make it line up with what is going on because having 365 days would not every year would not line up it would cause shifts with what's going on in astrology uh so we have to have that fourth day uh every or we have to have that last day every fourth year um in february so let me know if your birthday is february 29th if you were born on a leap year if you were celebrating this year it is considered just a day of extra luck so it is a good year it is a good day and a good time for doing any sort of luck and abundance and prosperity workings because everyone is just going to be extra lucky on that day and there's a lot of luck energy floating around. It's also a great day to do a four-year manifestation. If you like to do longer-term workings or just working ahead, a lot of times you see manifestations 
they might not be called as such, but where you're writing a letter to your future self and plotting where you want to be in five years or 10 years and planning out your future goals, your long-term plans, this would be a perfect time for that to sit down and do a four-year manifestation and ponder what your life is going to look like on the next leap day four years from now and to either write yourself a letter, do some petitions, any sort of manifesting spell or ritual that you would like to do on this day to manifest whatever your goals are going to be for the next four years and what you would like to long-term happen in your life would be excellent day for that. I will definitely be doing that myself. And when we get this holiday, quote unquote holiday, uh, this day uh, so rarely that it makes it such a fun time to tap into that extra energy and you might as well embrace it. So I know that I will be. And that is everything that I have to share for February. So do hop over to Discord or YouTube comments and let me know how you're going to be tackling this month and what sort of energies you're going to be working with, whether that is February in general as being a month of purification and cleansing. Are you going to celebrate one of the holidays? Maybe tap into all of the love magic and energy that is going on. Do let me know because I am curious what people will be up to and which holidays they're going to be celebrating. I will absolutely be observing in bulk by doing some decluttering and some work there as far as purification and cleansing. I have this whole weekend ahead of me to tackle things like that. And I have been working on some cleansing around here. So that is going to be a big part of my month and just getting ready, getting set. I did a little bit before like the start of the year, but uh, then of course things got crazy with our little adoptee dog. Uh, so I had to put that on pause and I would like to finish that project and do like a real spring cleaning. I also will be doing some mid-month love magic. Uh, there was a love-related Valentine's Day spell that my friend really wants to do. She is not a witch herself, so she says, but she's she's a budding witch. She wanted, she instantly was like, can, can I come over? Can you help me with this? Can we do this? And I was like, yes, absolutely we can. So we're going to be doing some love magic for her and tapping into all of that energy, maybe on Lupercalia itself. And I think that will be a lot of fun because it's just, enjoyable thing to do something with, you know, somebody else. And I don't have a coven, so I don't do a lot of witchcraft with other people. I think it'll be nice to have her come over and, you know, induct her into being a little, little baby witch. <laughs> she's, she's working on things and slowly wearing her down. Uh, I think that will be a lot of fun as well. And then of course the leap year energy. So full house cleansing, love magic, and luck magic and four-year manifestation absolutely going to be happening for me this month. Lots of things to do for something that people usually consider a very quiet month with not a lot going on. Uh, and let's be honest, I'm probably going to do some Mardi Gras <laughs> celebrating as well. So like I said, have, head over to the comments or their Discord, YouTube, whatever it is, and let me know how you are going to be celebrating the month of February. And that's everything that I have for this episode. And I will see you all next week. Need even more witchcraft in your life? Subscribe to Witch Wednesdays on Patreon and YouTube for all types of exclusive bonus content like spells, recipes, book reviews, and more. Or even order personalized tarot readings and spells. 
Be sure to follow on Instagram at Witch Wednesdays Podcast. And you can find all these links and more at witchwednesdays.com. Come on, baby, you should take